Hello, and welcome to For the Love of the Games. I am your host, Chris Dennis Myers, and today we are going to discuss competition that occurred on July 29th. And we will discuss first a new COVID case, then any primetime coverage from last night and live stuff that happened during primetime. Simone Biles update. <laughs> We're on that train. Might as well ride it to the last stop. And then we'll go over what's coming up tomorrow. And then as always at the very end, I will give you a fair warning before any spoilers. So our first new COVID case in a few days, American pole vaulter Sam Kendricks tested positive for COVID in Japan. So he is already in Tokyo and is the two-time defending world champion on that event. So unfortunately, was heavily favored to win gold and will not be allowed to compete. So he is in quarantine and I don't believe that they are able to replace him in time. Last night's primetime coverage started with the men's gymnastics individual all around final. I don't feel like I've really talked that much about the men's gymnastics program. I mean, I definitely have, (laughs) But recently, maybe a little less, but I just, I want to really focus on Sam McCulloch because he is such an, an, such, such a good person. And he was in Rio. If you look back at that time or listen to anything he says about that time, he was just in a dark place. And especially as we kind of talk a lot about Simone Biles this week. Sam has been, well, first of all, one of the first people to defend her, like literally before the competition was over, but after obviously she had withdrawn, he said, she's more than a metal factory and people need to respect her space. And again, in Rio, when he reflects on that time, he just really was not in a good place. And here he is five years later. He has decreased his difficulty from the routines that he was doing in Rio, but really focused on the rest of his life. He is still a world-class gymnast. He placed 14th in the all around. So just one of the best gymnasts in the world, but he also has a balance where he's really in this time, like focused less on his gymnastics in the last five years and more on his life. So Um, he's engaged, he's just a lot happier and he does talk about sometimes he still struggles, but he just recognizes that gymnastics isn't the only thing. And when you are struggling with depression, if you have one, only one area in your life that you're focused on, if any little thing goes wrong, it can be even more devastating. And so he's talked a lot about that. And I just really respect an athlete who is really open about that struggle in sports. And it can be sort of a fine line to walk where you want to be the best in the world, but you also want to be, I don't know, happy. (laughs) Um, and he decided that his happiness was worth more than the medal. And we saw Simone do that as well, not just her happiness, but also her physical safety. And, you know, we, we love that. We, we love seeing an athlete talk about the struggle and somebody that we look up to and somebody that we assume is sort of invincible. Like these men's gymnasts are 
obviously incredibly powerful and strong physically. So for them to talk about their quote unquote weakness (laughs) off the mat is important. And I think we need to do more of that. And the theme of this game so far really has been mental health. And we'll get into some other things that have happened in the last couple of days, focusing on mental health. And I hope that we've learned this lesson, but, but we also, I can already tell haven't. So that's fun. (laughs) Love that for us. Mm -hmm. The other thing that they talked a lot about on that broadcast they didn't really talk a lot about Sam's mental health. I mean, of course it came up because it's part of the conversation, especially in the sport of gymnastics and Simone was in the audience, which she never has been able to do. She's never really been able to watch the men because she's had to compete herself, but since she's not, she didn't compete this morning, she was able to be there last night. It was kind of cool to see her as a spectator because she never has had that opportunity. Like if she were competing, these competitions are women's are every other day and then men's are every other day. So you have a day on day off and every time at worlds at nationals at, you know, whatever (laughs) the Olympics last time she can't watch anybody because she's got so many competitions that she doesn't have time. They've never been able to do the opening ceremony, but I digress. It was nice to see her like in a sweatshirt (laughs) cheering, just casually spectating. It was kind of just something I didn't expect to see obviously, and haven't ever seen because ever since she's been around, she's been the best. So that was quite something. Anyway, they talked a lot about Arthur Deloyan, who is an incredible gymnast, but injured himself fairly recently. I think they said six weeks ago, something like that injured his Achilles and in the broadcast, they're saying things like three weeks ago, I could not stand on one leg. I, (laughs) you know, they're, they're saying these things as he's like literally flipping in the air and we're supposed to feel they want us to feel proud of him or impressed by him. But all I could think was this man is in his early twenties when you're injured, (laughs) the worst thing you can do is stress that injury more. And this is why Dominique Mucciano and Carrie Strug had to retire almost immediately after the 1996 Olympics, because they were forced to continue to compete on injuries. And we talk about Carrie Strug's vault all the time. And I could go on a whole rant about that. Maybe someday I will, but the truth is what we're doing is telling these people that gymnastics is more important than their physical, mental, just all any kind of health. (laughs) Um, they, they're like bragging on him for having competed with this injury. And they kept saying, yeah, I did not get cleared by a doctor. I get to decide when I compete. And on the one hand, it's like, yes, like no doctor can tell you when it feels right. But also like, was that really the best choice long-term And can you understand long-term when your entire life is gymnastics? And that's part of the thing with Sam McCulloch too, is five years ago, he, he would have done the same thing five years ago for him. Gymnastics was his entire world, his entire life. And now, you know, he got a therapist, 
got engaged and has sort of a new perspective on what life after gymnastics can look like. And instead of sacrificing that for one moment for two weeks in Tokyo, he really decided that he was going to lower his difficulty. And if he made the team great and he would have a great time and he would make the most of it. And if he didn't, that would be okay too, because he had something to go home to for a lot of these gymnasts. They're just not there yet. And I don't know how you teach somebody who wants this and is an elite athlete and has spent their entire life thinking that the Olympics is the only thing, the main thing, then you have to teach them that they can, they can really do damage to their future when for them, they think in four-year blocks, there's no future past August 8th, 2020, well, 2021, but 2020, you know, like they, they have this whole time been thinking basically the world ends at closing ceremonies. And I don't know how, I don't know how you get people to see a new perspective after that or during that, or if you can, and maybe that's the question, can we safely do this? I don't know. Let's move on. Last night, we talked about the 1500 meter free being added swim being added to the women's program. The men added a race as well. They added the 800 meter. Uh, That was an incredible race to watch because Bobby Fink, the American somehow came back in the last 50 meters. He was behind for 750 meters and his last 50 was unreal and just had an incredible, incredible surge. I think he was in fifth place at the final turn in the last 50 meters, just killed it, came back to win gold, first gold medalist in that event. And then they showed Caleb Dressel in the warm-up pool because he had a race shortly thereafter. His jaw dropped. <laughs> he was like <laughs> shocked. I mean, everybody was really, because that should not have been possible, but that was really cool to watch. And it's one of those things where I like jumped up and I was like, (laughs) what? So that was an, that was a really exciting one. The 200 meter breaststroke was won by Stubbledy cook of Australia men's 200 meter breaststroke. And mainly I brought this up because Stubbledy cook is really fun to say out loud. (laughs) If I'm being honest, anyway, congratulations to Stubbledy cook. I, Stubble tea cook. I, I highly recommend just saying it out loud to yourself. Um, Nick Fink was the American representative in that race, had a disappointing run there. He's not related to Bobby Fink, the winner of the 800, just it's actually spelled differently, but he, yeah, he placed fifth. So pretty, pretty sad, but you know, one of those things where I, it's like, I, I want to, I want to ask him how he's doing. How, how did that feel? And does he, is he okay today after placing lower than he thought he would? Some of these things we'll just like literally never know. Caleb Dressel won gold in the hundred meter free in the, in an Olympic record time of 47.02 seconds. That is one of the fastest (laughs) races. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of track and field races that are super quick. It's running is faster than swimming, but I mean, that is, that is fast. (laughs) 
and they showed his mom hiding her face and his wife was crying, you know, these shots of people, you know, their families obviously aren't nearby, which I think is also adding to the pressure of this game is just not having your people anywhere near you. And, but these videos of, of hometowns have been really incredible. They, they are sponsored by Microsoft teams. So they did like a whole thing with Microsoft teams logo, whatever, but you know, they, they showed the video to, to Caleb Dressel and he's watching the video and he's talking to them and they're saying, I'm so proud of you. And he's like, literally just cannot keep the emotion out of his face. He's just crying and crying. They, then they turn over to just the interview portion without his (laughs) wife and mom. And he is still crying and, you know, they're asking like, what does this mean to you? Or, you know, questions that they ask post-race and he was still crying. And he said, you know, it's been a really tough year, really tough. I'm just so proud of these athletes for saying that out loud. Caleb Dressel is one of our top athletes. He's one of the faces of this game. So obviously it's been Simone Biles. It's been Katie Ledecky. And it's really, I would argue the third person that they've put in all the ads is Caleb Dressel. And he's sort of been framed as taking the baton from Michael Phelps, who swam in his last Olympics in Rio. And to see him admit how tough this year has been. I think we've all come a long way since Rio. It really has been a tough year for all of us, but you know, for Superman, this man who just broke an Olympic record in the fastest race, he's the fastest swimmer in the world right now. And for him to be crying and saying, I've had a tough year. I think, I think we need to continue these conversations. (laughs) This needs to be normalized. And I think it's becoming normalized seeing all these, again, just powerhouse athletes saying these things, but we do sort of veer into that territory of assuming they're invincible kind of naturally. And it's going to take a lot for us to break that habit and break that pattern. And it's going to take a lot of moments like Caleb Dressel saying it's been a tough year when in fact it has (laughs) objectively for everyone. I loved that moment and I'm even more excited about Caleb Dressel being the athlete that he is now that I've seen this moment of like just total vulnerability (laughs) for the world to see on, you know, primetime NBC. So big, big Caleb Dressel fan. I mean, not that I wasn't before, but that was quite a moment. Our women's 3x3 basketball team won gold last night in their match versus the Russian Olympic Committee. The Russians, not Russia, the Russians. I'll never not roll my eyes at that. The 200 meter fly, women's 200 meter fly. Um, Zhang Yufei of China won that. Reagan Smith came in second, and then Hallie Flickinger came in third. Um, Reagan Smith and Hallie Flickinger are both Americans. And those are the big headlines last night. There wasn't a ton, a ton in primetime, honestly. I was, you know, they, they did show a lot of the men's final. I was actually kind of surprised at how much of the men's final they showed because typically they show a lot more women than they show men, but they did show that. So 
good on him, especially because, like I said, I am a big Sam McCulloch fan. I'm actually a big fan of a lot of men on our on our team, but Sam Sam has really won my heart in the last few months, just being as open as he is about how hard it has been to reprogram his brain from being all gymnastics all the time to being a holistic person and what that actually means for him. Overnight tonight, track and field begins. So I've always thought it was kind of odd in the Olympics. The first half is, has always been swimming. The second half has always been track and field. And most years I am a person that disagrees with that. Like I really think they should do both the whole time to give athletes more of a rest in between. Because if you think about it, each race, individual races, that is, they're racing in a prelim and then a semifinal and then the final. So each race is three races. That's the same for, for running. So then they're, if they're doing more than one event, which in track and field, well, really in track, not so much the field events though, there is some overlap, but not a ton, but in track and in swimming, a lot of athletes do more than one event. It's very, very common to do more than one event. So you're having these athletes and they're stacked a lot of times. And if we're going to celebrate somebody like Katie Ledecky, Caleb Dressel, Michael Phelps, who really does an intense, intense program, then we really should allow for that. (laughs) And maybe we consider it more impressive because of that. I, I don't know, but it just seems fully ridiculous to me that we don't allow that space. So like I said, the other night, there was a final for the 200 free and the 1500 free and Katie Ledecky swam them within an hour of each other. And she placed poorly. She did poorly in the 200 for her. I mean, you know, fifth, fifth in the Olympics (laughs) calling that poor is it's better than I could do. Um, but, but you know, she had to make a decision what to focus on. And in that case, it was super clear because the 1500 is super meaningful for her. It's the first time it's been in the Olympics. She fought for it to be in the Olympics. It's her signature race. There's all kinds of reasons why that was an easy decision, but you can see why if somebody couldn't really easily decide which race to focus on, which pattern to focus on, they could end up hurting themselves in both races, hurting their chances at at a medal in both cases. So I don't know. I just never really understood why they did that. But that being said, this year does make sense. (laughs) So they don't have to change it for, I'm not mad. They didn't change it for 2021, but maybe look into that for Paris because I think giving more of a breather in between races would go a long way. And, you know, even these Olympic or these gymnastics, it is every other day, maybe make it every three days. There's no reason why gymnastics has to end August. I think it's second or third is the last gymnastics event. Why you've got five more days of the Olympics. And I know a lot of scheduling is focused on television scheduling. And I get that, but I don't, I I don't really understand why it makes more sense to have something happening on a Saturday than on a Monday, like give them the extra couple days. It could be, we can air it in prime time on Monday night and that's going to be better television than on a Saturday night anyway. 
I don't know. If I were in charge, there would be some changes. <laughs> but again, this year it does make sense, so I'll allow it. But there is tomorrow they are beginning track and field. So that's pretty exciting. The There's only one medal being awarded in track, and that is the 10,000 meter, the men's 10,000 meter. Everything else is just prelims. But again, you'll start to see that transition out of swimming and into track and field. So those events will start a bunch of prelims and there are a ton of prelims tomorrow, but no other medal races. The U S women's national team plays the Netherlands in the quarterfinal at 7 AM Eastern. And I'm sort of debating going to a bar to watch it with a bunch of strangers. I don't have any friends that will go with me. So that's really why I'm not definitely going. If I had somebody local that would go with me, I would 100% be already already picking out my outfit, but for me to go to a bar <laughs> with no one I know at 7 a.m., I'm not sure yet, but I think it would be kind of fun to high-five some strangers because, you know, soccer, soccer fans are like some of the most intense fans in sports, and I feel like I would enjoy the high-fives, so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. We'll see when the alarm goes off what I feel like doing. The women's archery finals are tomorrow, tomorrow morning, tonight, depending on what time zone you're in, it's confusing, but that's coming up. <laughs> Our baseball team plays Israel. That should not be a problem. Women's judo 78 kilogram match is also tonight, tomorrow. <laughs> Our representative there is Nina Kutro-Kelly. Rugby sevens, we play Australia in pool play. We beat China and Japan last night. That was sort of expected. Australia is our hardest opponent in the pool. So we might have a little more trouble there, but could go either way. I will say if you can watch that, you should. <laughs> I watched a match with Canada and I don't remember who they played. Canada crushed whoever it was. And then I watched the U S China match. And they're only 14 minutes. They're seven minute halves with a two minute halftime. It moves so fast. I have never in my life. <laughs> just, I mean, it is, they are intense. They play dirty. They like grab each other's jerseys. Like a lot of things that they're doing to like, you know, get the player down would be a like foul in any other sport <laughs> and they're just they don't stop play I mean people could be on the ground and they just keep running they just everybody's running I don't <laughs> I mean I I have never I I I've been missing out on rugby sevens so if you didn't catch any yesterday try to catch some today I don't have the time of the Australia match but most times they play they end up playing double headers because they are like I said pretty short matches so probably that Australia match is going to be pretty early in the night. I think yesterday when they played China, it was at like 9 PM Eastern. So it shouldn't be too hard to catch. Definitely take a look <laughs> or maybe just find some clips of rugby sevens on YouTube because that was, that was bananas. <laughs> um, there will be rowing medals awarded. These are mostly rescheduled races. So hopefully the weather will hold out. It looked much calmer on TV in some of the outdoor water sports that were occurring. So I am glad that they got surfing done much earlier than they anticipated. 
because of the typhoon and we're able to reschedule rowing as a result. So hopefully the weather holds out and, and they're able to have a, a good race. I, there's more sailing, including the men's 49er skiff. I did watch the women's version of that. I talked about that the other day. You really have got to see that too. <laughs> the thing about the Olympics that I love is just, I would never watch sailing. It's just not a thing that I know anything about. I don't have any connection to it, but it is mind boggling. <laughs> it's also um, pretty soothing to put on if you're going to bed. Cause like a lot of these you have to sleep through, but I like to put something on, take a little sports nap. It's not that the sport is boring. I love it, but the, you can hear the water like lapping up against the boats and on, you know, it's kind of soothing. And then there's like sports happening. It's anyway, take a look at that too. <laughs> if you get a chance, our women's basketball team plays Japan, our men's beach volleyball, or yeah, men's beach volleyball, Gib and Bourne play. And then in women's Ross Kleineman play men's kayak slalom medal race is tonight as well. Michael Smolin is our representative there. BMX racing finals are tonight. That is not the same as BMX freestyle, but both should be quite good. The prelims for the three meter springboard diving are tonight. Women's our representatives there are Krista Palmer and Haley Hernandez. And Krista actually did participate in the synchronized version of this event, but she was not a part of the team that won silver, which was Jessica Parado. And why can't I think of the second diver's name? Delaney Schnell. <laughs> I had to look that up. I feel like I don't say enough how often I have to look stuff up, but I do try to keep things in my memory, but that's why I have corrections at the start of every episode, just because I don't have all this in my, I can't possibly remember everything, but I try. In trampoline gymnastics, we have Nicole Asinger competing and in trampoline qualifying and the medal event are on the same day, unlike in artistic gymnastics. So those are both overnight tonight. And that's it for what's going on tomorrow. So now we will move into spoilers. So if you haven't seen primetime on July 29th, which is Thursday, and don't want to hear the results, now is the time to pause. Okay, now that they're gone, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, golf began. That will continue tomorrow, but, or continue, it's a four-day event. Um, that continues, and the leader is currently Austrian Sepp Streka at eight under. Paul Casey of Great Britain went on and on about how much he's loving his Olympic experience. He is four shots back at four under. American Patrick Reed is tied for 12th. He was the one that came in for. Deshimbo sort of last minute, literally got to Tokyo just in time to be able to do the quarantine and complete his round. So he is doing quite well at three under and Rory McIlroy of Ireland, who, and Hideki Matsui, both of whom were really, are really considered to be the best chances at gold are tied for 20th at two under 
I mean, two under six back of the lead in golf is not insurmountable. It is, that is a big difference, but eight under at one on in one day is as a lead is pretty significant. And these courses seem to be, you know, it, it seems to be very possible to get a very low score. So hopefully they can come back and, and Paul Casey can, can kill it as well. In the women's four by 200, um, this happened, it happened right after prime time. They aired it on my channel, but I didn't want to put it in the recap section in case somebody went to bed at 11, which is what time prime time I feel like used to end, but now they're like stretching it out further and further. So last night it didn't end until midnight because of this race. And again, I mean, they don't like my local NBC affiliate doesn't set the times for these major races, but it was very strange because I had planned to go to bed and then <laughs> I couldn't miss this. Um, but anyway, Australia was heavily favored there. They had Titmus on their team. It would, you know, it, they were stacked and they, it was the, one of the, I mean, it was the top three teams in this race were all under the world record time. So that needs to be said first, <laughs> it was neck and neck. Everybody was going faster than has ever been done before, literally. And it was anchored by, you know, Olympics face of the Olympics, Katie Ledecky, <laughs> China ended up finishing first, just out touched everybody else. The United States finished second. <laughs> it's very exciting. And then Australia placed third, which was quite an upset for them to not, to not come in first and then to not even get the silver, you could hear team USA cheering them on. And it was really fun. It was really cool. You could hear Jordan's voice. She has a very distinctive voice and a very loud voice. And she is just like a loud personality. She's like a fills the room kind of person. When she was announced to be on the team, she was like doing uh, snow angels and the confetti. So that's Jordan. You could hear her, but you could also hear Simone Biles. And again, to have her in the room, but not on the floor, that was, it, it was quite something. And it was such a moment of like passing the baton to the next generation, because really SUNY is only 18. And if she wants to do another Olympics, she absolutely can. Again, barring injury, mental health, all kinds of decisions need to be made between now and then, and all kinds of things can happen that aren't decisions out of her control between now and then, but it's not unreasonable to think that age 21, she might come back and who knows again, who knows it will be a team of five next time. So there's a lot less pressure on each individual gymnast, but so they were just in very different positions because SUNY, and this is why I said at the top of the show, I don't think we really learned anything about Simone Biles because we kind of turned to SUNY and said, okay, well, now you're the, now you're the face of the games. Now you're the one, now you're the person we are going to count on to win this thing. And you're definitely going to win gold in that bars final too, right? Well, anyway. SUNY, SUNY did great today. She ended up winning gold, um, all around and good honor because we're, again, we learned nothing from the last several days because they're already 
turning her into the chosen one. They're doing packages on her and, and re-airing packages that they did when they did a package on every person in the team because they weren't really pl- planning to make her the star of the all around. They didn't have a package for Jade because she is doing event finals, but she wasn't supposed to do the all around. So, so anyway, Suni ended up winning gold. Rebecca Andrade, who is a fantastic gymnast, she ended up winning silver. Amel Nikova took home the bronze. And Draje is an interesting case because first of all, she's the first Brazilian to ever win a gymnastics medal. She didn't come here with a team. She came as an individual because Brazil did not qualify a team. She is an incredible gymnast. She had sort of a standout moment in Brazil in Rio because she is Brazilian and the hometown crowd loved her and Flavia, if you recall her, and the two of them were sort of the star of the hometown, you know, the home team in Rio, but she has truly upped her game since Rio. And I'm not a person that follows global gymnastics. I really just follow the American meets. I follow those all four years. And then obviously I ended up watching, I end up watching worlds. So I know the gymnast from that, but we haven't had a world since 2019. So I haven't seen, there were some faces that it was almost like seeing old friends. Uh, it was very sad to see that Ellie black of Canada ended up with an injury a couple of days ago and had to withdraw it from the all around as well. But Andrade really has truly improved over her 2016 skill. I mean, and she's just a much better gymnast. She's a lot calmer. She, I was very, very impressed with her and I was very excited for her again, first Brazilian to win a gymnastics medal and what a gift that is. And yeah, this, this whole podium was, it, it was very cool because you had three different countries represented. It's, it's been a long time since you haven't had, you know, two countries on the podium, two from the same country on the podium, but this does make five straight for the U S which is fun too. And I think for Simone, I'm happy that, that Suni was able to really capitalize on this moment because again, she was fighting for second place between all these people that now ended up fighting for gold and it was a, and it was a tight race, but I think it's good for Simone too, because I think I can sort of see her struggling with still struggling with not being able to prove that she is the best in the world. Not that she has anybody, anything to prove to anybody, but that's been her mentality for so long that it's going to take a long time to break it. And so I was just glad for Simone that it stayed in the U.S. It was one of her close friends. It's somebody that she, you know, competes with <laughs> frequently, um, not against. And yeah, it was just, I think it, I think it was a, it was a interesting moment for me too, because it was very much like, this is the end of the Simone era. Now, you know, for people that only watch in the Olympics, Simone Biles has only been around for one cycle, 
But for someone like me who watches gymnastics all the time, Simone's been around forever (laughs) and she's been dominant. She hasn't not placed first in an all around competition that she has entered since 2013. So it's a new day when you have a world competition without Simone in it, without Simone at the top of the podium. And I hope that she changed the sport for good. I hope that we can learn to take athletes seriously when they have injuries. One of the things that I thought was incredible that happened in the last couple of days too was Carrie Strug <laughs> has stood up for Simone Biles because some, you know, some of the people that have negative things to say about Simone, and I'm not going to spend any time on that because it's just trash. I, I can't, I can't even do that. But one of the things that they bring up is, well, Carrie Strug did it. Why can't you? And it's Carrie Strug who says, no, (laughs) this was the right call. And this was the call that should have been made for me. But Carrie Strug was 16 years old. She didn't, and again, couldn't see life past that moment. That was the moment that was it for so long, for her whole life. And This has been five years since Simone last was in an Olympics. She has lived a lot of life since then. She has done a lot of advocating for herself and for others. And, you know, at this point, she knows, she knows that when she leaves the gym, there's life outside the gym too. And I think that's just such a huge part of it. I think that's such a huge thing that we need to make sure we are teaching people from the beginning. And that's hard for any teenager. You know, when you're, when you're 16, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. I hope somebody understood that anyway, (laughs) but when, but when you're 16, when you're 15, for real, whatever is big in your life feels like the end of the world. Like if your crush starts dating another girl, that feels like the end of the world. So of course it feels like the end of the world. If you know, you sprained your ankle in competition and when somebody tells you to get back on the vault, you're going to believe them. Speaking of Taylor Swift, um, (laughs) this truly actually my favorite female athlete is Taylor Swift. So it's appropriate that I talk about her on my Olympics podcast, but she actually did make a video. It's kind of bizarre. I don't know why they selected her of all people to do this narration, but it's a video of Suni Lee and Jade Carey. And it's like, these two athletes are prepared for this moment. They've been prepared their whole lives. For some people, we didn't see it coming, but, and it's, it, it, I'll have to share. I shared it on uh, my personal Instagram, but I'll share it on the, on the podcast Instagram too, because it was very made for me. Like my two favorite things, like Olympic gymnastics and Taylor Swift, sign me up for that. Anyway, now that I've gone in a full Taylor Swift tangent, which it's shocking that it's been this many episodes without it. So no, well, you know, it was long overdue, (laughs) but your Simone update is really just that. I, 
I will be shocked. I, she has not announced what she's doing about event finals and there are still four events that she has qualified for, but just seeing her in the stands laughing, seeing her celebrate SUNY as if it was her own gold medal, just fully there for her teammate like that. I don't think she's going to compete. I think she has recognized what matters to her and that is her health. That is her friendships and getting to be there in the audience. That means something that means a lot to her. It's going to be a weird week. (laughs) It's already been a weird week. It's going to be a weird another week. Anyway, that's all I have for now. I will be back tomorrow with more. You can follow me on Instagram at love of the games pod. And our logo was made by unfettered letters. Talk soon.